everybody. Welcome to the Kind Cody podcast. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Jermaine Genius. How are you doing today, Jermaine? I'm very good, mate. I'm very good. Thank you very much. We've had a busy day, but um, busy days are good days right now, so I can't complain. Yeah, I can imagine it's, uh, it's it's busy hosting the one show and, you know, how, how mm. different your life is now to what it was five years ago. Yeah, I mean, they're just in shut, aren't they? This is like, this is what I deal with now. This and the scripts, pages of words that I do on a daily basis. But yeah, it's very different from kicking a, a, a ball around. But obviously, like, I still love my football. I can't wait for the European Championships, getting in stadiums and watching games and doing some commentary as well. So... Yeah, I'm very fortunate, you know, since retiring that, you know, that I suppose I've kept myself busy with such uh, great jobs and, you know, stuff for me to really enjoy as uh, I said, retire. You know, I'm 38. It's madness. But yeah, it's great. (laughs) No, definitely. And I think like in 2021, especially with the, you know, fans being out of stadiums at the moment, I think punditry has become such a a huge thing. Like pundits Mm. are spoken about as much as the game now, you know, yeah. you know, with the last month, the ESL, obviously, uh, announcements coming mm. out. I think the pundits going against that, people like Gary Neville, that mm. was almost talk about uh, spoken about as much as, um, you know, the actual announcement itself. For someone like yourself, you know, you're, 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 you're a pundit at, at the mm. forefront of the game. How do you maintain, you know, your mental health, you know, when you're in the line like 24-7? It can be difficult. And there are moments where, where it's tough, but... You know, I think that the biggest thing that I think a lot of us have to, to combat and get over, and there's, there's a certain uh, thing with kind of like my generation, because put it this way, like football this year, I've never come across angrier fans than we have done this year. And it's understandable. You know, I think that the, obviously the impact of no fans in stadiums, we've, we've all of a sudden got um, a real grasp and understanding about how important it is for a lot of fans to be going to games, whether it's to vent their anger, whether it's to celebrate, whether it's for their, you know, it's their peace of kind of um, their own peace of mind, for their own mental health, to be able to go to games, to travel, to meet people, to talk to friends, to have a laugh, win, lose or draw. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all a part of the fan's lifestyle and you take that away from them. And we've run into a year of some very angry, disgruntled fans. Yeah. And sometimes as pundits, we bear the brunt of that whether I'm doing co-commentary and you get, I mean, some of the most disgusting abuse you can, you no, can imagine from yeah, people. Totally. And, and then, you know, on, on the flip side to that, you know, you might get what, you know, Gary and Jamie and a few others experienced of us, you know, when we kind of had the, the whole thing, when we played our part in helping save the game, essentially, with this European Super League talk. Um, and I think... I've always just been one person that, you know, you got to be balanced in life. You know, don't, the highs are never too high. The lows are never too low. Yeah. And if I didn't have thick skin then I wouldn't be doing it because, you know, you can't keep everybody happy these days. Everybody thinks they're a pundit. Everyone thinks they're an expert. Everyone (laughs) thinks they know more about you than the game. And it's like, okay, good on you. But that is what kind of social media has done. You know, it's, it's great on one side, but on the other side, it's like the accessibility is 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 like too much but i suppose you know i grew up getting stick off fans so like face yeah. to face in stadiums social media is just you know it is what it is but you do need to take care of yourself with it i have to say it's not it's not as easy as i'm making it sound you know, i have days where i'm like you know i get angry or i get like not upset but pissed off a lot of the time where i'm like maybe come off social media for just a couple of days because i can't stand the messages that come my way sometimes but that's just part and parcel of the of the job and the nature of the world we're living right now. 
Yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, you know, football ultimately is a game of opinions, isn't it? And yeah, unfortunately, some people are, are being given the, the platform to voice an opinion that just sh they shouldn't have. Um, what's your approach towards the social media? You know, in, in the in the you know, with fans coming back into stadiums, you know, even at the weekend, you had the the fan at Wolverhampton who was arrested for the racial abuse uh, towards mm. Rio Ferdinand. Yeah. Watch mm. with you know amid the the recent you know uh, media blackout with social media and things like that. What's your approach towards social media, and how do you think change can be actually implemented into the game, or, or more in social media? I'd say. Yeah, it's a really it's a difficult one, and I've, I've had various chats with people over this, and I think that you know there are a lot of companies now that are trying to you know stop hate, stop hate online, and. My worry is, you know, it's another slogan, you know, we've seen with the no to racism kind of campaigns over the years that they have a, an effect to an extent. Um, and it's great that people take notice, but what actually is being done, because from my opinion and from what I'm seeing, racism is as bad as it's ever been in the game. Yeah. And I think when it comes to kind of like the trolling online and the hate stuff, that's as that's terrible. It's as bad as it's ever been as well. So it's difficult. And I think like we have had conversations where we are trying to make the social media com companies more accountable for the people that they allow onto the platform. Um, but I've had like, recent conversations with people about uh, anonymity and the importance of it. You know, because initially people thought, well, you got to you know put your passport online, put this. And I was one of those people that said that. You got to give your passport. You got to give a national insurance number. You should have to give all of these things. Um, so that way, sorry, one second. Okay. Uh, yeah, you should get all of these things that essentially identify who you are as a person. When the reality mm. is, if we didn't have the anonymity, you wouldn't have uh, the situation like what happened with Harvey Weinstein, where there's all of those innocent women that were scared to speak out, but find a way online to reach out to people. Yeah, anonymously. the Me Too movement, and, yeah. Correct, so, and that is very important. You know, you've got NSARS, what happened, you know, that all stemmed from, um, and became a, a global movement based on somebody posting something anonymously, that then became actually, let's take a look at that. So you can't take away people's anonymity, but there's no doubt in my mind that the, you know, the, the powers that they have at these social media companies should be able to kind of track down and, and punish, uh, I think, you know, the people that are consistently trolling and, and creating like hate online. No, I totally agree. Um, because it's, it's an awful burden that, you know, I don't think people actually realize the, the kind of things that you guys have to go through, you know, footballers, mm. pundits, anyone in the limelight, they, they, you know, anyone has license to essentially go and produce mm. a notification on your phone that could be any sort of abuse i know there's been all sorts of um like you were saying around the anonymity of um mm. and, and and the question marks of being that but there has been question marks i know some social media platforms have changed it so only someone who's verified can you know essentially mm. contact you i think there's definitely value in that and i think allowing yeah. people to have the anonymity if they want it but you know if you want to interact yeah. with someone on your profile then they are verified you know they're a verified Correct. user you know yes i agree um you know i i think that's been spoken about 100 percent. you know the verification that allows you to go okay this is a you know a real person and we can have a proper conversation and also that if you have that um that verification then i think that people um 
are, are obviously going to be considered about what they say. Whether you know, because I'm quite happy for debate. You know, if someone doesn't agree, I don't want everybody to agree with me. I'm like, let's have it. You know, the amount of times, honestly, that like, I'll go into. Sometimes I go into my chat at halftime. I feel like let me get a vibe for the feeling of what people are seeing in this game. But the problem you've got, if it's like Man United Wolves the other day, all I'll get is like. Man United, if Man United are not playing well, all you get is Man United fans hating you and Wolves fans loving you. There's no balance, yeah. And then obviously you'll get an element of like, uh, genus, you're crap, you're this, you're that, you're whatever. And then I'll go, and then I'll go, right, let me engage with one of these. And I'll have a chat and I'll go, what's, come on then, what's the problem here? What are you, what have I seen or said that you're not enjoying or that you don't like? And more often than not, they always just kind of go, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm just so angry at the team. And I just think, who in the right mind? Who are these people? Like, yeah. they're actually watching a game of football and thinking, I'm going to message him. Like, I just, I, I, it worries me a lot that these people actually exist. Um, but from like a protection of your mental health point of view, and like for me, like I just instantly block people straight away. So yeah. if, if, if it's not a, um, a chat that is like engaging yeah. and constructive is the word, yeah, constructive. Then I'll just instantly block you, and you'll never come back. And I've got no, I've got no qualms about that. I don't need you in my life, so I'll just block and delete, and you'll be gone. Um, there are people. Um, uh, uh, this is the other part to the chat, really. Which is, are you hearing that? You're not hearing that, are you? No, no, I'm not hearing it. Now. Okay, my ring.com's going off at my house. It's sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, there are there are people. Uh, sorry, the other thing about kind of like the social media and mental health thing is not enough people are educated on social media and understand what they need to actually do or how to protect themselves. So there are things you can do, you know, in terms of um, with your comments and the blocking and so on and so forth. But there's still not enough help from you know social media companies. No, it's. Uh, I think that, that that that's the that's where there needs to be real change. There needs to be more policing on who they yeah. allow onto these social media and platforms. Um, mm. And past that, there needs to be policing on who can actually con like you know contact you because otherwise it's just yeah. an, it's an open well, it's an open minefield, isn't it? You can just direct yeah, and, all sorts of abuse. Oh, and we're just talking about football, but you know, there's young schoolgirls and, and lads that are getting bullied at school on exactly you know, yeah. other platforms like Snapchat and whatever because people are screenshotting pictures and passing it around year groups, and you know, from that there's been suicides and there's been all kinds of like terrible things through the pressure that social media is creating i think in particular with young girls and that is something that i mean if you can't look at that and say we need to adapt this somehow then we've got a bigger problem than we thought because that you know they need to understand the pressures that you know, that are on our teenagers and our kids uh, globally and the lack of protection that they have it's it, it's scary as a parent i've got three kids and one on the way and the world they're walking into is not the world i walked into it's interesting it's interesting that you're going to say that because i was, I was going to say it's um you know, I'm, I'm in my late 20s now um so we're in a similar demographic that like the world i grew mm. up in i've i've got young sisters that are you know 14 and 11 so the world that they mm. are in now is completely different to the one i grew up oh yeah i was going to say mm. like you know as a guy that's now come out of the game you know you're, you're, you're doing other things outside of football and also yeah. punditry of course yeah. what's like the the biggest lesson that you've learned in football that you'd like you know you'd pass on to you know if you if there was a jermaine genius coming into football at mm. 17 18 now what what's the biggest lesson that you've or the biggest take-home point that you just love to pass on no yeah i mean I, listen i think when it comes to kind of like my 
my, my kids or even myself. Um, I, I've always been, you know, a strong advocate for putting myself in very uncomfortable situations. So there is going to be a lot of things kind of down the line that you're not going to want to do or you're going to feel like you don't want to do, but they're all experiences and they're all kind of like part of a learning curve. And, you know, it's that whole thing about, you know, fail and fail and fail again, but just keep trying, yeah. and, you know, yeah. the, you know, I, and, you know, I always, when I go into schools and, and, and speak to, to kids, I always, I think people underestimate, right. That the power of asking like the stupid question, right. Because in every room I'm in, whether I'm kind of doing the one show like now, and I'm in a room full of people and something will come up. And your automatic thing that comes within you, even at my age, is like, oh, I'm not going to ask that because I reckon I'm going to sound stupid or ev everyone's going to know. And it's like, uh, the more you do, the more you realise nobody else knows either. Like, no, like yeah. you're just putting yourself out there. I'm just the guy going, hang on a minute. Can I ask a question? Like, who is that? Or what is that? Or why are we doing that? I'm asking what in your mind is the stupid question, but it's sometimes the best question. Um and all of these things are about kind of like trying to create like a freedom in your mind, really. And that's how I'd like my kids to kind of come into the world, not thinking that, um, oh, I'm a girl, so I can't do this and I can't do that. Like To me, the world is there for you to go and do whatever you want to do. You're going to have to work really hard for it to achieve it. And I'll guide you and help you with that. But it's going to be on you to work hard. And I can showed on the paths and how I made it as a professional footballer but essentially you know I think that life lesson of kind of um, hard work and desire to, to go and achieve something and, and, and break down barriers is is what I want them to know because I had a couple of I had some like brick walls up essentially like in my area I grew up in it was very much like oh I don't know like a lot of the women's mindset was uh I will I'll meet a guy, get pregnant, get myself on the um, on the list of yeah, yes yeah. from the council. I've cracked it. I get uh, you know I can get benefits. I can do this. And that wasn't their fault. It was just it was a it was a that was the, what their environment shown them was success. Um, I was so lucky because I played football, and then all of a sudden, like I'd have a trip to like Birmingham playing football, and I'd be like, oh wow, like there's there's other places to go. And I'd go like yeah. to Newcastle and be like, what this is what I've never seen this. And then before I knew it, I was going to Europe and I was like, hang on a minute. Like the world's big. Like I don't need to just do this. And that's what I'm trying to tell kids when I'm going into schools. No, I totally agree. It's like the uh, famous uh, Michael Jordan quote. It's like I failed over and over again and that is Correct, why I surely. succeed. You know? Correct. The fear of failure is fear of failure is massive yeah. yeah like it's it's such a brick wall for so many people and for me like mm. i learned it in my mid-20s you know it, I, like throwing yourself into you know uncomfortable situations is one of the best things you can do on a consistent basis because you learn like, you learn the most about yourselves in those periods you know like yeah. if, you, if you if you really assess where you're at when you're at a very very low period you know and then you get through that there's nothing that life can, this might sound cliche, but there's nothing that life really can flow, throw at you. And the more that you do that, mm. you kind of just develop a mental fortitude that just of helps course. you, do, you know? And yeah. If you look at the, if you look at some of the most successful people now, they're all, they're all people that got laughed at. You know, yeah. They all got laughed at for what people thought was a stupid idea. Or, you know, even you look at people like KSI, like I had him on my show a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And, you know, this is a guy who's playing FIFA and posting things online, essentially, because you know, he wasn't the in the so-called it group, you know, he wasn't yeah, part yeah, of that. Yeah. Well, look, look at him now. 
I think there's a lot, you know, I think where it's going to be a little bit different for this generation, where it was a little bit different for me and you, is this generation are very much point and laugh and take the mick socially, like on social media. And you're, you're not just not part of the cool gang at school. You're not part of the cool gang when you get home as well, because you're not in that WhatsApp group. You're not in that Snapchat group. You're not this, not that. But, you know, the ones that are focused on what they want to do, and what they want to achieve, and have got that strong mind, they love the they love the last laugh. They they always will because that is what works in the real world. No, I totally agree. Um, and some of the things that young kids have to go through nowadays um, is just awful, especially with the uh, the online abuse. Mm. You know, I so I uh, just say a little bit about, about myself, of course. I run a, a separate podcast as well, which we we like to talk a lot a lot about the mental health um, in in football. Um, it's called the We Talk Football Podcast. And last year mm. in uh, in November we dedicated the entire month to Movember, partnered up with them. And we had a lot of conversations with um, ex-academy graduates, people that were at the yeah. uh, the top of the the game until maybe the, uh, the age of 16, 17, 18. And then they um, come out the game, obviously they didn't make it as a pro. And then their entire life, their entire identity mm. is, you know, it's almost like pulled from underneath their feet. And they spoke about how... Um, you know, how hard that was and how there was little support from the clubs from someone yeah. like yourself, you know, who's, who's gone through football, spent years in the game is now um, fortunate enough to work in the media outside. Do you think there's enough support for players or, or maybe people that didn't, um, you know, or from clubs or people that didn't yeah. make it as football players? I think it's much better now. Like I know coaches uh, at various football clubs now that are doing it at different levels and the, the duty of care is, is, is pretty good now. Um, I mean, when I was playing, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was it was very much like, well, you're not going to make it here, you know, so see you later. Um, and I think they forget that kind of all your dreams and aspirations as a child are like a one thing. Like in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be a footballer. That is it. And my mum, um, like my mum, fortunately, was like, no, Jermaine, like we need another plan. And you know, that's when I kind of like started to then take my education a bit more serious because I was like, right, I want to be a physio. I'm not going to be a footballer. Mm. And I, and actually what that did, it gave me so much more confidence because like I wasn't like in my mind, I was like, I'm only going to be a footballer. Right. That is it. But I knew when I went to school and it was like, right, I need to focus on this if I do want to go on and be a physio. It, it took the pressure off me a little bit. Um, and also it all comes down to environments. Again, like my environment, was built to succeed on the basis that I had nothing. We had nothing. Like I grew up like putting 50p in the telly to make it work. And my mum looked after me on her own. You know, she worked God knows how many jobs. There was like failure was not really an option for me. Like I was already a good footballer. The talent was there. It wasn't about talent for me. Like my looking off my dad was a coach. So technically I had all the attributes I needed. I needed the mentality and I needed the drive. And yeah, that was that was given to me based on what I had around me, and I didn't have anything. So, like the year I was going to kind of like become a YTS, like everyone else in my kind of group was on family holidays before they joined up. I was doing laps around my Clifton estate. Like, yeah. I got my mum. I literally got my mum to put me in a car, and I said, "Set this the uh, the mile thing to zero, and do a whole lap of the Clifton Estate for me." We worked out it was about four miles, something like that. So it was it was maybe a bit shorter, whatever. And I was like, "Right, that's my track." And I used to live uh, on High Bank Drive, um, where there was like where we call it the bottom shop. It's basically like where it used to be a pub called the Grey Mare. 
And I used to just literally come out of my house and I'd just do laps of that. Like, and, I, and then I had a mate that was in the army. I had a mate that was going to university in Leeds, uh, Craig, who I own Aquinas with now. And they joined me for a part of it. And I did that literally every day. I was, and I was in my mind, I was just like, no one else is doing this. I'm going to be a footballer. And that is that. And I turned up and I was basically two years ahead of my whole year group because yeah. in my head, I was like, I'm going to be a footballer. Whereas they were like, oh, we're going to have the family holiday. But that, that's where I'm in a weird way. I was lucky because it was just my environment. If my yeah. mom, if, if, like my kids went up that, my kids are going to be like, oh, we're going to holiday with dad. that's for me me then to kind of get that into them if they want to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve footballers or not then they can stay at home and work (laughs) no totally I I totally agree like you made your debut at 17 right yeah 17 yeah yeah but that's what I'm saying like I I literally went to collect my GCSE results when I was like 16 before I knew it I made my debut and I was captain in Nottingham Forest at 17 yeah 18 I became the third most expensive teenager in world football. And by 19, I was playing for England. And it was just like, bang, 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 bang. All these things had happened. And like most of my friends were still pissing around and having a laugh. Like I was, I was supporting a whole family, like with whatever it was like paying mortgages and sending money to my dad and this, that, and the other. Like I grew up fast, but my life changed quick and I had to adapt to that. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was your environment just also put, like it put you in a position where, there was no opportunity for you to fail. No. You, you were going to succeed and you were going to work hard enough yeah. until you got to where you needed to go. So relentless, I didn't, so relentless yeah, hard work, really, yeah. Correct. Failure is not an option. It wasn't an option. There's no going back now. Like If I go back, the whole house falls down. You know what I mean? There's, there's nothing else. So it was just work and then work harder. That was that was it. Yeah, and, it's, and I, I mean, that, that ties back to what we were saying earlier in terms of, um, you know, passing on one piece of advice to yeah younger people just work as hard as you can you know 100 i mean I, I even have it with my little girls now like my little girl will come to me and she'll go oh daddy i'm like it's, it's sports day and i'm a bit nervous or i didn't do very well at rounders today and i'm like well why didn't you do well at rounders i said well, have you been practicing or you know have you been running up and down the garden and i'll literally take her out in the garden and i'll just race with her and i will beat her <laughs> as well like no problem <laughs> And, I'll, and then I'll say, you, you want to win, like, run faster. Like, I'll teach you the technique. You want to, I'll show you how to win. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are, there are keys to like, being successful in life. And there's no doubt that like, during periods of my career, I failed myself by kind of like taking my foot off the pedal a little bit, thinking that I'd made it. And those are lessons that I've learned now, even come out of the game. And that's why I work my ass off right now in doing what I'm doing, because I'm, I want to be better every single day at what I do now mm. as well. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of keeping busy, of course, you're going to have a really busy uh, summer. How are you feeling yeah. about the Euros? Are you excited? Can't wait, man. Honestly, like it's uh, it's one of those situations where obviously it was supposed to happen last year. It was taken away from us. Now fans are coming back into stadiums as well. Um, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot of the commentary on the England games and stuff. So like, I can't yeah. wait to get in that, get in that, England, in that Wembley stadium for that first game. And also, I'm really excited for the country. You know, we've been through mm. such a crap couple of years. And, you know, I, I, like my memories of the Euros are like, Euro 96 was like, wow, the, 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 England is amazing. You know, that, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, like yeah, flags, yeah. 
I don't know how old you were at that time. Are you probably really little, weren't you? Like, like... I was, I was, I was four, but you know what I mean? I, yeah. I remember it, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, so when I was seven, like it was Italia 90, but it was like, God, that special World Cup in Italy, amazing. And it was big. But then Euro 96 came along and you're like, my, like the whole country, like you, it'd be silence on the streets and then bang, go. And, you, and people would be sprinting out onto the streets celebrating. Oh God, one second. That's okay. That's okay. There we go. It's on centers in here. <laughs> it's a time, um, yeah. yeah, and and that's what it's going to be like again this year. And you just can imagine that the, the joy that it's going to bring to people's lives and barbecues and back gardens and yeah, you know, 100%. It, I think it, I think it's the real kind of tick that football and sport is back, and hopefully that everything leading into it is just going to be pristine and we can do it right. No, I agree. I mean, with the world, uh, with the last World Cup, obviously the the feel good vibes were everywhere when England were doing yeah. Really well. So the fact that we've all been in a pandemic for the best part of a, well, over a you year can now, imagine. you can you, imagine, you know, things are starting to improve, things that yeah. um, measures are starting to ease. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got Scotland in there. We've got Wales in there as well. So you've got exactly. that within the households, you've got that whole, I mean, England are playing against Scotland. Can you imagine what that day is going to be like? Uh, it's going to be I mean, crazy. And I mean, from a, I'm, I'm just a general football fan, but I think we've got a good chance as well. I think our squad is so strong. Of course we, have. Of course we have. Um, we are, as strong as we've ever been um, mm. in terms of you know opportunities and actually having the manager to get the job done we've got to be brave we've just got to be brave now you know that's the way I see it I think stop all this talk of you know fear of oh our defence ain't great and this ain't great and, like I'm sorry we have got what it takes we've got the experience now we've got players that are playing in Champions League finals this weekend yeah. we've got players playing in the Europa League final tonight yeah, um, I don't know when you're going to send this out, but obviously it's the Wednesday, <laughs> the Manchester United Villarreal game, and it's you know we have got players that win now, and <laughs> it's you know hopefully they can showcase that um, it, at the Euros. The quarterfinals is going to be the issue because I think we run into the group of death where I think it's Portugal and France, and yeah, I think I think Holland are in that group as well. Uh, but I still believe in us. I still believe that we can navigate our way through it. We've got some of the best players in Europe right now, so. I can't wait, and I'm, I'm just praying that they they show themselves the players, you know, to you know, and make their country proud. No, I agree, and I think you know something that England uh, uh, will maybe not struggled, maybe struggled isn't the right word, but I think our strength and depth in the past ten years or so maybe not has mm. uh, maybe not have been as strong as what now because you look at the players that haven't even made the thirty three man squad, and there's question oh, yeah. marks around there, like people like James Madison, people like Danny Ings, you know, they've had yeah, great exactly, seasons, yeah. not not mm. even in the thirty three, and then they're going to go drop no. another further seven. What do you think about the squad at the moment? Would, would you have taken Danny Ings? Would you have taken James Madison? Um, it's hard. I it is hard. I kind of get it. Like it's one of those situations that I love James Madison. Um, I think as seasons go, I think injuries have just done him a little bit this yeah. year. I think he's he's been very stop start, and he's not quite been able to kind of maintain that consistency um, throughout. And I think the emergence of Jesse Lingard, in fairness, warranted his inclusion, and I think Jesse will go. And Jesse, uh, I would argue oh. that's probably. Yeah, I'm a little bit fan. more balanced. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I'd argue, and I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that come back, and I think he deserves it. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of changes. Um, I think defensively, I was I was a bit surprised to see Ben White in there, if I'm totally honest. I don't think he's had an amazing season. I think he's living off his name a little bit that he had yeah. last year. But, but I think he's one of those players that Gareth likes versatility. And Ben White played in midfield for Leeds in the Championship, and he played in centre-half 
for Leeds in the Championship and he can play right. You know, he's one of those. Yeah. Whereas I think Esri Concert at Villa's probably had a better season at centre-half. And with that natural partnership between him and Mings, I would have probably took Concert in, in, instead of uh, Ben Godfrey. Who is the other one? Uh, not Godfrey. So I would have took Godfrey. I'd have took Concert instead of uh, Ben White. Yeah. But, but apart from that, there was there was all yeah I mean want too many surprises in my opinion. No, I I totally agree. Um, I think Godfrey and and White. Um, looking at it from the outside for me, it just looks like it's a, a Southgate kind of look into the future type picks. So like it, it's all, yes. almost as if he's bringing them into the squad so because he sees them paying a play, you know playing a part for the next four eight. 12, however many years, you know. Um, well, he likes to promote from within as well. He's one of those that he don't like too many shocks, like, oh my God, all of a sudden you're like 24 and playing well. Where's that come from? He likes him to come through the system and be like, okay, there's the path to get to the first team, which, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I, I believe, I think he actually said he, he thinks Conso is very, very unfortunate not to be in, in the 33. Definitely. I think uh, Aston Villa had a great season. Obviously, the, the injury mm. to Jack Grealish obviously tarnished them and, you know, derailed yeah. them a little bit in the... Uh, during the uh, during the season, but then they, obviously he comes back and then they go and turn Chelsea over, you know. So correct, yeah, yeah great, great side. Um, I'm going to ask you for a prediction. Where um, do you think where <laughs> we're our, our placing of, of England? Where, we'll get uh, to the final. I think we, I honestly feel like we'll get to the final. Uh, and to be honest with you, if we get into a final, we're going to have to get past France or Portugal or I think it's Holland, like I mentioned in the quarters. I think that's the route anyway. Yeah. Um, now. That's the game, you know. Essentially, you know, that's our that's our Croatia. You know, that's the game that exactly. I, I I think gets us to that place, and it all depends on how much we've grown, how much we can handle that type of game and that scenario. I believe we've got the players to do it, but you know, you've got situations like Pogba and Kante, Pogba and Kante have not lost a game in like two or three years or something ridiculous like that. They <laughs> brought joke. Benzema back. They brought Benzema back now as well. Yeah. Griezmann, Benzema, and Mbappe. Can our defense handle that? So I personally hope we swerve them. Um, but I believe we've got the makeup to get to a final. I really, I, I think for the first time in a long time, I think a lot of us called semi-finals at the World Cup, but I think this particular group's a better bunch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've got a few years um, experience in there. And then obviously you've got the emergence of people like Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood in the last couple of years as well. And mm. they're performing on... Well, different levels. Like, yeah, yeah, unbelievable levels, you know. And um, they're fearless as well. That, you need those players. They're, they're like the Michael Owen of 98. Those yeah, players, they're exactly. fearless, and you need those players in your team. Fearless and winning. I mean, they're two of the biggest comments. That's like that's what created Mbappe. Like that's why he is what he is because he's like, God, this game's easy. Like I'm, I'm scoring goals, I'm winning World Cups at like 19. Yeah, what else is what else you got from? Uh, he's, he's he's a joke. He needs to be playing the Premier League soon. Um, yeah, f- f- fingers crossed that. You we'll know, see. Well, yeah, fingers we'll crossed. see. <laughs> you spoke. You, uh, that, that's football covered obviously that, that's the football fan mm. and me satisfied you spoke, a little, bit, <laughs> you spoke a little bit about um your friend craig and that you've uh, run aquinas education yeah talk a little bit mm. about um aquinas and you know the things you do there yeah so aquinas education um so first and foremost it's a recruitment company so we supply the teachers to schools uh whether it's kind of the day-to-day supply of um requirements that's needed from schools or even the long-term uh, supply of teachers the that's the business element. I think, you know, Craig came to me back in 2008 when I was playing for Tottenham with the idea of, you know, starting his own recruitment company. And I said, look, you know, my, you're my best mate. I'll back you. Uh, and then we had a bigger chat about it. And I was like, well, what about, you know, I'm going to back you financially, but I'd like to get involved as well with regards to kind of going into schools. I've always wanted to kind of give back to, 
especially Nottingham at that particular time, whether it was yeah. you know, more so with my time than anything to kind of, like I said to you, kind of speak to kids, raise their aspiration levels, try and give them a little bit of insight as to kind of how I got to where I got to in my life. So that's where the kind of journey started. Like I, I, one of the very first things Craig did, he sent me into a school as a TA. And I was like, <laughs> I like turned up and the teacher was, was like, okay, go on, Jermaine, you take the class. I'm like Premier League footballer playing for England and Tottenham at the time. I'm like, Craig, are you joking? So I, I just literally waffled my way through something anyway. And uh, I said to him, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> but obviously that's how the business kind of started at that particular time. And then along the way, we've done some like uh, amazing things like started breakfast clubs um, to uh, try and manage attainment levels at schools, uh, whatever it is, you know, the, the truancy level at your school, if it's terrible, then we, we created some form of kind of like a, not game, but like something interesting for the kids, you know, a little character dangling in front of them that incentivized them to, to be turning up, to be learning, to be listening and so on. And obviously more recently during the pandemic, we um, we did a big Kindle drive uh, or, you know, laptops and t uh, tablets. And we got in, used my contacts and reached out on, on all my social media platforms. And we had a great kind of um, return from a lot of people helping out as well as us investing our own money into, uh, making sure that no kid went without um, the ability to have online education. Um, and there are things that make me really proud. And it's the one thing yeah. a lot of people that don't know about me, um, but it makes me really proud that we have it. We love it. Um, we've got a branch in London now, as well as Nottingham. And yeah, I, I always like to look at it as, you know, recruitment is one of those things that gets kind of like a bad name at times, but I like to feel that we've got that more personal touch. It's just me and Craig that own it. You know, it's not like, you got to go through 15, 14 execs before you speak to the main people. You know, me and Craig own the business and we are the ones that have the say on everything. You're on the ground. And yeah, you're, you're on the ground running the company. Yeah, correct. I speak to him every day and it allows us to be flexible, um, you know, especially post pandemic, you know, and, and, and what schools need um, and what our teachers need more importantly as well and how they needed to be helped. Um, so, yeah, that's that's is really in a nutshell i like to think that you know as a company the feedback we've had from schools you know especially like i said post pandemic has been one that we've been one of the good guys i suppose it's helped out a lot during that time yeah it's an incredible cause and i'll i'll make sure it flashes mm. up like aquinas education Perfect. guys you, you you can find it on, thank you find it um, and i'll put the link there um brilliant but yeah, to totally uh, agree with you. You know, in the last year or so, it's the, the fact that some kids might not have been able to actually learn um, while, mm. while while at home is um, it's just awful. So it's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, like you say, you know, as a footballer, you know, sometimes in the in the limelight, footballers don't always have the best uh, reputation. They get, um, you know, they get bad media all all, all the time, mm. and, and might get a you know a rough rub of the green at times. So it's good that you know we can put out a message that, you know, you're, you're doing something inspirational and are helping a lot of people out there with your platform. So. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on today, uh, Jermaine. And no, um, I'll let, I'll let you get on with the the one show and, you know, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> no, thank you very much, Bill. Great to speak to you. Okay. Cheers. Thanks a lot. See you later. Joe.